0: Hello, and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wildbow's most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold.
1: And that was Ruben Morehouse. And
0: it's a special day today, Elliot, because we're exactly a month out from the end of this show, and I, I can hear the bells, the celebrations in the streets.
1: I don't. I don't know if I don't know if bells is the right thing for celebration. Yeah, no. In this, I've been hearing this bell in my ear story. for the past month, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so weird. No. So
0: yeah, we're we're getting close to the end here, um, and so we kind of wanted to touch on uh, what's going on when this podcast ends. You may have heard that we're planning to do uh, the worst idea ever, which is a 24-hour live stream full of packed <laughs> themed content, and we actually just published the schedule for that, so you can see exactly what the terrible things that we're going to be doing are.
1: Yeah, and so there'll be a link to that in in the show notes, uh, the episode description, wherever you're listening to this. Yeah, um, e- yeah, I mean, I- I'm getting pretty excited for it now that that schedule's sort of finally all down in one place. I'm realizing like we've actually got a lot of cool stuff lined up. Yeah, um,
0: what are you the most like, excited for?
1: Um, either the the packed dice, yeah, uh, with Matt and Scott, um yeah. or. I'm actually weirdly excited for uh, write the pact thing, which is where we're getting Matthias and Jarvis from Do the Right Thing to come on with us, and we're going to like write packed fan fiction with the yes, audience. That would be quite and, fun, and talk about it. And I think it's going to be a ridiculous session. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for packed the musical brainstorming session, which is <laughs> totally up my alley. And I don't think either of us are good at writing music, but we'll see what happens. Um, also, we're going to do some fanfic yeah. and fan art review, which should be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott's also coming back uh, at another time to do. Uh, we're going to do Maggie's Madness, which is you know over over in Parahumans Humans world. They love to do their March's Madness, and we're we're taking that, but it's Maggie's Madness, which is yep. a name that, which is way better. Yeah. Well, the Maggie's Madness name. The first time I came up with it, I was like, Oh, shame we can't really use it because she's not Maggie anymore. Mm. And I was like, Wait, no, it's even better now because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maggie Holt is insane um so it's yeah. perfect so of course uh, yeah. you'd rank off
0: all the characters impact <laughs> against each other it's the exact kind of dramatic thing that maggie holt loves to do
1: yeah exactly so yeah uh check out the schedule see um it, it's in your time zone on the web page uh so you know you'll get to see what you can and can't make it for and uh yep. you know we hope to see you there
0: yeah it's 24 hours so you should be able to tune in at least for some of it
1: hopefully yeah
0: yeah um so yeah hope to see everybody there now should we talk
1: about this here judgment Yeah, let's let's dive into Judgment sixteen point five.
0: Yes, so obviously talking about all packed up uh, thematically links here because after twenty four hours of live streaming packed content, we're gonna have lost our minds. And this chapter here (laughs) opens up with Rose losing her mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, this is this is a sort of very fun way to open the chapter. I got to admit, I got very excited because I was like, "Oh, this this maybe this is Blake," because like there's a little bit of coyness with you know with, with who exactly his point of view we're in right at right at the start and like i've still got my fingers crossed that we're going to get to see blake's perspective again um especially given what happens with pros and blake later in the chapter um just because like I, I i'm so certain this whole switching to rose third person stuff for this arc is sort of saying something about Blake's self or, or lack thereof but mm-hmm. it, it, I can't quite see exactly where it's going and I feel like whenever we get back to Blake or don't they'll, they'll, you know there'll be something about what exactly the story was saying with with this switch yeah and like so I'm just uh, you know I'm so keen for it I basically I'm just looking for any excuse for it to be like oh is it happening is it is it now <laughs>
0: yeah it definitely I mean of course Pact feels like a story that we should be rereading basically as soon as we finish reading it for the first time. But you're yep. right, there's there's a lot of, like, suggestion of how Blake is feeling and what's going on with him that is going to hopefully be contextualised by actually what's happened to him in the time that he's been stuck inside Rose's head.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I've just got my fingers crossed that we'll, we'll get to see him again and they'll sort of be this, oh, that's that's what the story was doing when, when it was... Mm. um when it jumped out of the it jumped out of his perspective a little bit
0: yeah yeah um this is such a trippy start to a chapter and i love a good kind of mind fucky part like this rose <laughs> is just so clearly incom- incapable of comprehending the world around her and like she's describing like blood pouring out of the floor into the world and huge pools of blood and because it's demons you're kind of like well shit is this a hallucination what? or is this actually happening
1: yeah, yeah. With Damon's on the playing field, you're sort of like, well, I mean, this could be happening.
0: Yeah, and it's perfect because, of course, Rose thinks it's happening because her her head's so fucked up, and we're also from her perspective, and we also, as the audience, there's a fairly good chance that that's actually happening, and so we're kind of exactly in her shoes where we really don't know what the fuck's going on.
1: Yeah, like, and I think the the writing here is is really good at capturing like the overwhelmingness and sort of chaos. I guess of it all, um, like it's so the the language is also disconnected and like disorienting. Um, I, I I think the bit that really for some reason clicked with me was when there's like a gun that goes off a couple of feet away from Rose, and she was like, "Oh man, that like that gunshot hurt in such a good way." She's like, "That pain is just like ice in a fire." Yeah, it was um, interesting. And- yeah, it's this like pain that provides clarity almost. Yeah, well, like you know, it's like the. The pain of a gunshot, of a gun going off right next to you, is you know relatively so good compared to the noises the demon is making her experience. And for some yeah. reason, that got through to me a lot more than like you know, everything else is sort of being objectively described as absolutely terrible. But for some reason, that just made me think, "Fuck!" Like you know, this is re- must be really bad.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, the thing that I found interesting about this was, I. Rose kind of because of of the hallucinations and and the kind of mental trauma she's experiencing it feels like her narration regresses to this like childlike level where she's describing everything in the simplest possible terms and she thinks about Blake and she thinks about him as that shattered part of me that scrapes me raw inside and i found this so interesting because it feels like Maybe this isn't true, but it feels like because of the way she's talking, because of this kind of childlike way she's speaking, this is the most authentic kind of thoughts that she's had on Blake that we've seen. And it's very um, dehumanizing.
1: Yeah. um, I I had a different read on it, I guess. I saw it as, like, it's a very, I I wouldn't have said childlike. I would have said, like, detached or disconnected language. Like, to me, it was more just very factual. Like, there's no, she, she has no ability to. Interpret or infer from the information she's seeing it's just like it's just the mm. raw observations, and I think uh, describing Blake as the shattered part of her that scrapes me raw inside <laughs> is is not charitable, yeah, but it's not inaccurate yes it's obviously A- true <laughs> and i and I, like so for me it's more that it's just there's there's sort of no there's no ability for her to actually sort of process it's it's all just the base observations and so I- I'm gonna be a little more charitable towards Rose and just see this as her sort of you know, that that's just factually what she observes in the mm. scene and and this has none of her subconscious injected to it. Okay. It. All right. I, I don't know. I- I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt because like it's not like you know, we've we've kind of been in her head for five chapters now. Yeah. And I don't get the impression that she has the ability to filter like thoughts like that, you know, like Blake would have been able to see stuff like that. And and we would have too yes. if she was sort of mentally having to check herself on having those sorts of thoughts. So I, I'd, I'd like to believe that it's not something she's, you know, this isn't some, you know, terrible sort of opinion of him that she's hiding. I think, you know, she has plenty of mixed opinions on him um, that are, yeah. you know, both fair and unfair. And I, I don't think she quite thinks of him this little. I just think that is kind of what you would observe with no context as, as um, being the situation.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. I think that's a fair
1: interpretation.
0: So there's this um there's this line that I found really heartbreaking because, you know, Rose is her she's relatively unemotional relatively stoic even since Blake kind of infected her with empathy. Um and but this this you know, this emotional attack is really getting to her and really kind of breaking her down. Um and so her thought is I've just been given the ability to care, and now I'm left to watch and process it all as the demons have their way with us. It's this really mm-hmm. heartbreaking line of, like, shit, Rose, you actually have a you know a soul in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, like, it, it sucks. I mean, we've sort of keenly been following all this stuff relating to Rose and her new ability to, you know, have friends. Yeah. And, like, yeah, this is sort of exactly why i understood why she was frustrated at now acquiring this this ability because in a lot of ways this is the worst time to suddenly be able to care for people because they're in a shit situation like it's gonna make a you know work harder for them and all that and like all that good stuff but like the flip side of caring about people and having these connections is meant to be that you remember the good times as well and she doesn't quite have that she's just like yeah Suddenly, been connected to these people at the worst, worst time to have something like that because <laughs> they've all got very high probabilities of meeting fates worse than death.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's bad timing for sure. Which I guess is the Blake special.
1: Yeah. Um. Also, I've like just while we're, we're on this topic, there's a bit like later on where she thinks she's been infected by Blake's mule-headedness because the demon is going one of the demons is going for Alistair and she won't just like leave him to be had by the demon and she's like oh i've got blake's mule headedness it's like no rose that's just called caring yeah like that's
0: just called having a soul
1: yeah <laughs> what are you talking about yeah yeah <laughs> um so rose realizes that
0: she's out of her depth here and so she asks for help um and of course blake ever happy to help steps <laughs> in and starts actively possessing her
1: yep uh blake's found another way to sacrifice himself so lucky him um yep you know. Good job, Blake. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, this also made that that whole thing we talked about two chapters ago where Rose said the stuff about um, the barber possessing Johanna's. And I was like, I don't understand what this is telling us. Like, this, this is sort of what it was telling us, basically. It, mm. it took it actually happening for me to, uh, like, get that. Um, and obviously, I mean, it, like, it blew my mind when Blake's tattoos started forming on Rose. Like, that was like a yeah this changes everything moment um (laughs) because uh, like this this is a precedent that i feel like is going to have to be addressed in the remaining 10 or so chapters because that's um you know blake's whole thing in a way is being put in these completely new paradigms and kind of finding a way like finding a loophole or or some way of using it and then continuing to do that until he breaks it yeah Um, like he did it he did it in the mirror's um, He did it before then, and it's like, I guess now it's Rose's turn.
0: Yeah, Rose is now the, you know, the the uh, vessel that Blake is going to
1: min-max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, So, I think that's going to be really fun, because now that we know Blake can take the wheel for a bit, um, that's going to kind of have to be a decision the two of them will have to keep making about whether or not they want to do that. Um, yeah. So, that's, that's a fun new uh, dimension to the mechanic. It's, uh. Yeah, I, like, I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, it seems that this gets more or less resolved for Rose by the end of the chapter, but it, it does feel like the kind of thing that we know is going to leave some lingering, you know, Blake essence.
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, it's like the door has been opened, right? Now we know Blake can sort of take more control. Um, and there's, I mean, Rose has had... Thoughts a couple of times in this arc, I'm pretty sure where she's like, "Fuck, I wish I could just let Blake, yeah, do this." Yeah, totally. Um, turns out she kind of can, maybe. um Like, I, I don't know if this was. Yeah, I got the impression he could maybe go even further and just sort of take control. So this war between the two of them for control uh, and and you know to find the balance and stuff may become very literal in this body. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun.
0: Well, yeah, it depends on how much of Blake is left. Whether he Still plans on sticking to his, uh, you know, to his
1: raising the white flag. Yeah, well, that's why we have got to get him back so we can find out what's going on with him. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, um, there's also a note here where where Rose sort of thinks, like just just before Blake takes the wheel, mm. where she's like, it's it's weird how hard it is for me to ask for his help. Yeah, and that just jumped out to me. It's like that's that's a conquest thing, right? Like that's that's where it feels my mind Quite went. conquesty, doesn't it? Um, especially cause obviously since we left Blake's point of view and we've just been in Rose's, Conquest has sort of dropped off the radar a bit. Like, yeah, like Conquest was such a big threat at the end of arc 15 kind of. And then he, he sort of was like, oh, I'm going to take a step back now that she's Lord. And that was right when Miss Lewis showed up. And now I'm just kind of like, so like, what's that fucker up to now? <laughs> um, like, is he still just content or like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know there's there's only been like some tangential references to Rose emanating conquest power in the church, but like I feel like I feel like Conquest was brought up as this big thing that was gonna gonna be something that happened between Blake Rose and Conquest, and then it's just like subtly slipped away, and I'm like, okay, I, I haven't let my guard down on this yet,
0: I mean, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. He does feel yeah. like he's just kind of ticking away in the background, like it's not
1: <laughs> resolved. No, exactly. And, you know, knowing knowing this story and knowing Blake and Rose's luck, he'll he'll decide to come back into play at the worst fucking possible <laughs> time. I yeah. mean, his whole thing in, in Toronto was he wanted access to demons, so maybe he's going to try and fuck with their attempt to capture Barbatorum so that he can have him or some dumb shit. Like, you, you never Oof. know what this guy.
0: Yes, that would be a bad idea. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so, yeah, there's this there's this bit where Rose is kind of looking around and she notices uh, that there are people who are more able to deal with this than others. And the ones she calls out are Ava, the Briar Girl, Roxanne, and the High Priest. And Rose, I mean, not it doesn't take a huge amount of time, but Rose takes longer than you would expect to put this together. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas as soon as I saw, I mean, really, Ava and Roxanne are the two yeah. that clinch it for me of like but you know briar girl as well and and the high priest although it seems that theirs is a bit of column a, a bit of another
1: column that we'll get to later yeah
0: as soon as i saw ava and roxanne together i was like oh it's because they're oh. fucked up already
1: <laughs> yeah i know That's what, as, soon, as soon as i saw those two in the West, i just started laughing out loud yeah. i was just like they're too fucking crazy to be made insane it's beautiful yeah,
0: and Rose kind of puts this together a bit later that, oh yeah, Thorburns are just or inherently fucked up a bit, so they're a bit more immune to this. And I love that this kind of explains a bit why Thorburns are good Diabolists, because they just have this, like, you know, 10% resistance against demons <laughs> that helps them get yeah. that slight
1: edge. What's well, that whole thing? In this world, like, you know, like often affects like, and, you know, you sort of, you are what you practice, you know, yeah, so diabolists and you know by proximity their family i guess all become a little bit more unhinged from reality in in probably more ways than one and yeah and yeah i mean uh, like something's another, another thought i had here while this was sort of going on is uh well i suppose not here but like later blake obviously steps in to, to yes. sort of take the brunt of the effect of the demons away from rose so she can work and like i wonder how much it affects blake <laughs> like basically, like I wonder where Blake would sit on this spectrum. Interesting, um, yeah. Because like Rose notes a couple of times that this is really hurting him. Yes, but he's also he's a lot smaller, so that it could just be like a you know size of your presence thing. Like you know, would an Ainsley, would a shred of Ainsley the size of Blake do as well as as Blake did? Like I I don't I don't think so. Like, yeah, it, I agree it, it, with it, you. It feels like um, the
0: Blakeness really does help.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh I don't know if he would, you know, be as active as Roxanne and Eva here, but um I, I don't know if Blake would have been as crippled as a lot of the other people in this situation. Um, yeah. it would have been interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. Um and then I, I think the other thing that stood out for me here that, that, that you sort of touched on, um so obviously Eva and Roxanne, you you just instantly like, okay, it's because like they're insane. Yeah. Bri- Briar Girl's a little bit more interesting. Yes. And it's not just because she resisted, um, and, and that she resisted in part thanks to her familiar, but um, there's a section where the, the familiar takes the brunt of the yeah. attack, yeah. so that the briar girl can operate, and then like vice versa. And, and that kind of, for me, challenged this perception that like, a lot of people have been pushing throughout this story, that the briar girl was sort of subsumed by her familiar, and yes. the familiar was really running the show, because this felt more like a partnership the way they were working in tandem here. And like, yeah, I like, I don't know. I, so unless like the, what the familiar did to her is sort of more permanent where it can now just trust her as like an obedient slave or whatever. Like it felt more to me, like they're actually probably more of a partnership than a lot of people realize. And, yeah. Like, yeah I, 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 maybe the bride girl was just already a bit, you know, off the beaten path um, when she took this familiar and they actually were a good fit, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it recontextualizes the way people have been referencing their relationship, right? Because yep. for most practitioners, the the practitioner is in a position of power over their familiar, right? Um, so if it's Briar Girl and her familiar and they're equal, well, from, from the lens of one person being in power over another one equality seems like a a, you know a break of the natural order so of course they kind of think oh Mm. something's off there because she doesn't dominate her familiar but actually it's just that they have you know equal footing
1: yeah uh, maybe not equal footing but like i maybe you know the briar girl actually was just this girl who wanted to go bush and live in the forest and protect it and the familiar like paired up with her because of that you yeah know? and and maybe it affected her a little bit but not as much as like i think it was rose senior's little black book thing that was sort of like oh yeah you know the briar girl's just been kind of completely taken over by the familiar probably and i think i think the fact that they sort of you know tag team this battle against the demons he proves to me that that's probably not the case
0: yes yeah
1: i agree with you there um
0: this other bit that we get to here is Rose thinking through this old kind of not joke, but a kind of bit from an old uh, diabolist textbook, <laughs> which is talking about which choir is the worst and then goes into each choir and justifies why it's actually the worst. And it's such a diabolist <laughs> stupid piece of humour. <laughs> it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very fun. Um I I guess I will I will use this though to, to as a bit of a platform to just ask a question about like some confusion i had in this chapter which is yeah the screaming demon is it of the choir of chaos or of madness because i feel like there's evidence for both in the chapter like i just i, I guess i just got confused as to like it's se- it seemed things worked on it from both and yeah i don't know like you know I, I i get that you know labels are dangerous and this could be a labeling thing but this these felt like fairly minor demons and i i kind of assumed minor demons would be more uh, would would be forced to more adhere to the the choir structure just because they're smaller and and you know less able to bend the rules whereas like mahoon probably exists outside what the choirs do because he's you know a big strong oldie um so yeah i don't know like i this thing there's different parts of the chapter which made it feel like chaos and madness
0: I came down on the side of madness just because that seems to be the effect that it's having. I mean, it's chaotic because being mad is chaotic, but I, yeah. I, I saw it coming down on the side of madness. But you're right. It, it is a bit ambiguous. Um, and I guess, yeah, la- labels are dangerous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, and because, you know, there's one bit where, where they use symbols and that's labeled as, it, well, I brought it up here because in the witch choir's worst joke, they mentioned symbols are how you defeat the choir of yeah. chaos and yeah. then that is also what works on this thing so maybe it's just the cross as a symbol also who, like you know symbolizes something to do with the mind and it works on madness as well yeah i don't know yeah i just i just got a bit befuddled here like i'm I'm probably overthinking this is a minor detail but it's called deep impact right i guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's part of the uh it's part of the part of the bit part of the job of our show is to go deep right <laughs> Um, so Rose kind of clicks on this, on the fact that the fucked up people are better and re- and thinks, well, I can't just suddenly make people a bit more fucked up. Can I? Oh wait, yes I can. Uh, looking over at the high priest. And <laughs> so she, uh, injects them with, uh, spirits.
1: Nice. I, I, I get, not, not spirit spirits, uh-huh. but like- drinky spirits yeah this is Um, so good right (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like
0: it's the perfect payoff for this setup of like okay we need to dull our senses a bit and also make ourselves a bit more fucked up and also jeremy doesn't seem as affected hmm what's up with that (laughs) and it's just like it all just comes together so perfectly and (laughs) the plan ends up being make everybody drunk which is like okay that's the way you deal with you know that's the way you deal with your demons is with alcoholism
1: <laughs> i mean well uh, pack, that's the lesson of pact is that yeah. it works <laughs> that's um, how you get rid of your demons <laughs> oh we we solved the riddle of this story i love it so much it's such it's such a great plan like the second Rose starts to put it together, I was like, that's fucking brilliant. Um, I also I think Jeremy deserves a special shout out. Yeah. Because, um like what he does here to make this happen is like he makes a pretty serious sacrifice, not just losing your domain, which is a source of power, but he also like promises to basically like be a servant there. Yeah. So, like, he, he gives up not just, like, a lot of power, but, like, his future as well. Like, it's a big... Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody's nobody's fucking around here. It's, it's like, really good to see. And, like, Jeremy deserves a lot of respect for the sacrifice he makes here.
0: Yeah, they're definitely going all in, right? It's not a half-in, half-out kind of situation. If you're in, you're in. Um, And Jeremy yeah. really exemplifies that here.
1: And I think framing it, with the way he says it is, like, you know... Do harm to my house as I've done to Sandra's, which just is like this extra layer of tragic on it, and that it's like there's some guilt there, and and we gotta, it's just like it's just like an extra detail of oh fuck, poor Jeremy, Uh he's really yeah. had the worst day.
0: I I can't help but think as well the phrasing of do harm to my house. I mean, it's not, I like. It could be anything. Like, the interpretation of that could be like, go fuck up my parents, you know? Like, <laughs> he could, literally could be selling out his family here, and that wouldn't be an unfair interpretation of those words.
1: Yeah, well, good thing Dionysus took yeah. kids out of the equation. Yeah,
0: Dionysus seems like a friendly god. I'm sure it'll go fine.
1: <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> the next thing that happens that I just want to talk about for a bit is Ava basically just... Fully freaking out on a demon and beating the absolute shit out of it. It's so good.
1: Uh, it's so cool. Like, yeah. um, eat shit, Buffy. Uh, don't tell Scott I said that. Yeah. Um,
0: no, it's so good. And like this redeems Eva, like I know I've said a lot of bad things about Eva in the, in the time of this (laughs) podcast, but this one fucking paragraph redeems Eva completely in my mind. So let's, let's walk through it because I think it's worth, it's like chaotic enough that it's worth us talking through. So she has two guns, which she fully unloads into this demon before discarding Mm -hmm. those guns pulling out a knife and stabbing it with that knife before kind of throwing the knife to Rose in case Rose wants it for later. She then takes out a crucifix and sticks that into the knife wound, pulls out a third gun from her coat and then unloads that gun completely into the demon. It's just like this chain of Rose being like, well, that's probably not going to work. Oh, well, that's probably not going to work. And she just fucking does it anyway and beats the shit
1: out of it. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's like it's straight out of like John Wick or, or something like yeah. that. Um sh- yeah, it's it's fucking insane. I loved it. Um we got to get Eva bullets with little crosses on them or something though because yeah. it, like I, I was so bummed out that all this like bullet to the facing of the demon is just like, well, that's not really going to do anything. Um
0: Well, it's stormed for time. I mean, it it yeah, bought a fair amount true. of time.
1: There's a lot of that this chapter actually. Like that's that seems to be the best you can do with water of yeah, those demons. Yeah, that's basically
0: the wind condition is just stalled.
1: <laughs> um, and in fact, like, just as a little side note, because I went back and checked, and this is canonically not how it was described, but during this scene where Eva was going toe to toe with her, I was kind of picturing this screaming demon as like the figure from you know the scream that famous painting. Yes. Yeah. I wait. I, that's not at all how it was described, but that was how I was picturing it, and that just made it, like, a little bit funny as well, and <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, that's I just-, always that's just... Have,
0: I always have wanted to see that painting get shot with three guns and stabbed. Like,
1: <laughs> well, I think the reason my mind made the connection is because, you know, the landscape in The Scream is, is yeah. quite red and, and, like, so, you know, weird. Um, like, I think yeah, that's probably, yeah. like, because that's what this thing has done to the environment.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough um so yeah jeremy uh has bargained for enough power to get everybody a bit buzzed and they all start to rouse from their madness um and pretty soon they're in good enough shape to start fighting again and they're holding their own it it it, it isn't the worst situation
1: <laughs> yeah and, and so something we should talk about here while you know jeremy is saving the day basically yeah is, um do you wonder if there's any significance to the idea that one of Dionysus's big domains is what like shares a name with one of the demon choirs? Yeah, like like admittedly, back when we thought angels were more angelic, um, I I was still associating them a little bit with gods, and I think you know, yeah, seeing the god fight Ur in um, uh, null made me kind of associate gods as being an- anti-demonic whereas like yep. thinking on it more if gods are just you know big old spirits and and or humans or whatever like they're they're going to be in the middle like humans they're they're an aspect of the the changeification of the universe they're not on angels or demons side um yeah. so this idea of like a a god forming and kind of taking some domain from demons seems like that's probably significant
0: yeah, it's interesting. It feels like a thread that could be expanded on, but I don't know if we'll we'll expand on it in this story. Like, it feels like there's enough of a interesting conceit there. Like, actually, this god has overlap with demons. What are the implications of that? That it could kind of span out into its own section of lore, but I don't know if we'll yeah. get to see that.
1: No, I, I agree. I don't think it's something that the story is really looking to deal with at this stage. It's got enough to wrap up in like tenish chapters, but um, like I feel like that's that's probably an important little side yeah. note that uh, you know, the the realms of gods and, and therefore you know men as well is able to overlap and perhaps even steal from things like demons and angels. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Interesting. I wonder what that. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's the kind of one where you're like, well, what are the implications of that? And there's kind of too much to think through. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Speaking of weird tangents and implications, the other thing I I thought about here was um, Alistair has trouble getting up because his hand is numb. Um, And I don't know why this has only occurred to me now, but I went back and checked, and he got his right hand cut off. Mm. And, like, I mean, obviously this story has talked a fair bit about right hands and and left hands, uh, mostly to do with tarot cards or anything, but I I don't know, like, I, I wonder if that'll... If that'll be a thing. Like, and it may not be something that's explicitly called out in the story, but I want to keep my eye on exactly what happens to Alistair and see if it has if there's some way I can tie it to right handedness being gone. Is he right handed? Was he drawing the tarot deck with his right hand? I, I think so. Interesting. I just try I, I briefly searched for if there was any reference to him being left handed and I yep. didn't find any. Okay. Um there's a chance I missed something like that, but the ring yeah was on his right hand, and that was what he was usually yep. using to practice. So I would assume yep. he was right-handed.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how that will impact his relationship with the tarot deck. I mean, obviously, it has its yeah. own symbolism of right and left hand, and then his the way that he interacts with it, obviously,
1: is quite important. So,
0: yeah, you're right. That's an interesting thing to consider. Again, another seed that could be its own little, you know, arc yeah. or two.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this might be something that just pays off very like subtly in the background if at all um but like i think i think it could be fun and especially because you, you talking about his implement just made me think like he always cut the deck before actually drawing from it and um mm. that's gonna be tricky to do with one hand isn't it i mean maybe mm. i'm just maybe i'm just shit at cards
0: but... i mean not if you're not if you're one of those people that can just kind
1: of do crazy shit with a deck of cards right you know yeah that, that's true you think he would be a bit of a card shark by now
0: yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's all about theatrics, right? So you, I'm sure he'd know <laughs> how to do some, like, one of those cuts where with one hand you, like, cut into three piles and reshuffle the piles and shit. Yeah, yeah, fair. All the cool tricks. Um, I'm sure he does the one where he, like, flicks the cards from one hand to the other in a fan, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we get to see drunk Evan here, which is uh, fun. Yep. That it. It's a very weird vibe that Jeremy has just gotten this young, burning child drunk.
1: Yeah, I was, like, enjoying it, but at the same time I was like, hmm, it is a drunk seven-year-old, should I be enjoying this? Yep. But I figure there's no chance of brain damage because he's dead. Yeah, so. it's
0: better than him being not drunk in this situation, I think, morally.
1: Yeah, one well, like, supporting drunk kids is okay if they're dead.
0: Yeah, I think that's the rule. I think that's okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's a very fun moment. It, it also reminded me, when this happened in Arc 10, remember how bummed out Evan was about being hungover? Like, I wonder if that's... If that's going to come back as well, because he's yeah, obviously true. enjoying being drunk here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, true,
0: true. Um, so one other interesting thing to note here is, is Isadora doesn't recover. Even with a little bit of liquid courage, she doesn't recover, and Paige is seen kind of trying to rouse her unsuccessfully. And I don't think we actually see her uh,
1: rouse this chapter. No, no, we don't. Um... Which is not, it doesn't bode well. No, and I mean, that's that's something, like, Isadora has always been particularly, uh, you know, particularly sort of sensitive to, to all this demon stuff. Like, she's always gone out of her way to avoid it, and she seemed yeah. more, I think she described herself as more susceptible to, like, disturbances in the natural order, uh, as a being of order. So, yeah, I mean, she's still alive. Um and people are like, oh, you know, she'll get back up from the fall. But I have serious concerns about whether she'll make it the whole way back up. Um, so Especially because what everyone needs right now is is definitely not a more unhinged Isadora. Uh, yeah,
0: God. Can you imagine? Like, we talked about, I think, one or two chapters ago about how she was being, like, chill and not killing people for answering questions wrong and shit. But you can totally see that yeah. she gets a bit off off track here. She could really go wild.
1: Yeah, she's someone who was sort of so, and, and I think she was an artificial other, so like it's it's maybe part of that, but she was, like, very narrow in her focus, and she had this strict set of rules about how everything was meant to be, and it all had to be ordered, and, like, that's exactly not the sort of person you want to suddenly have a screw loose, and, like, you know, if she's if she centered her whole life around this one set of rules, and she loses that, she's going to be completely unhinged. Yeah. Um and like that would be very bad so fingers crossed she's just asleep for a while and then she wakes up completely normal which yes. is like, you know, exactly how everyone reacts to demons i'm sure <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's the way totally it's how fine it yeah yeah
0: yeah um so the the de- two of the demons in this fight start getting weakened and and acting a bit erratically so mrs lewis banishes them and promptly summons three more and it is clear at this point that this fight is unwinnable. They basically have an unlimited supply of these horrifying demons that are all a threat in their own right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we have got to talk about how the reason these two demons end up so weakened, or at least in part, is because this um this cube demon of of ruin uh tries yep. to help the other one from the looks of it, and just sort of starts bashing it. I mean, I I didn't get that it was helping. I was like, why are they fighting? And, and someone in our Discord um was like no i think it was trying to help which um it, good job uh yeah. you hurt yourself Thumbs and up. the lawyers <laughs> um i and i mean i i think that's a really uh interesting like we we've we've heard a lot about how there's no angel cooperation here and i always wondered about how demon cooperation went like the the mahoon lawyer bit in 15.x is sort of our first look at it and it kind of seemed yeah. more like a uh, you stay out of my way, uh, and I'll stay out of yours, but I'm the more powerful, so I get this one type routine. Yep. And, uh, now we're seeing how some minor demons, uh, try to cooperate, and they're not very good at it. Yes, uh,
0: yeah, I think demons are not made to work together.
1: Yeah, although, to be fair, neither are angels, and, um, as Toronto shows us, neither really are humans, so it's just, Pact is a world where everyone fucking sucks at working together, except for Blake and Rose. You're the two people who aren't meant to be able to. Yeah, I know.
0: And they finally figured it out. (laughs) Um, So just quickly, I think Emily deserves some props here. Like, obviously, I miss Fell, and he's basically irreplaceable in this story. So don't even try, Emily. But you do do quite well. You've done quite well here. And especially considering, I mean, we don't specifically know her age, but she's like 14, if that. And she does, she's really... Like you know, compare her to um to what
1: Kristoff. She's like in it. Yeah, she's she's not just coping remarkably well, but um, actually, still like an active member of everything that's going on.
0: Well, yeah, she she is a integral part in their escape here, right?
1: Yeah, I got the impression she was more like ten or twelve, but you're yeah, right, true. Maybe 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 around twelve, but um, young enough to be unreliable. I mean, we know that for certain. Rose made that very clear. Yep. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean she actually like she she does a really good thing here as a an delusionist and sort of like yeah, she's doing very well, so you're right, like she deserves some props. Yeah. Um so good work, Emily. We're proud of you, and I'm sure Fel would be proud of you too. Yeah, but actual Fel. Actual Fell Fel, zombie <laughs> fell, yeah. Yeah. Not recently <laughs> seen Fel.
0: Um so yeah, Elder Sister and Evan are kind of teaming up again. The fire power is back. Uh they create a, a wall of fire, uh kind of harassing the the lawyers who have put up some wards against the fire but it kind of goes up against their their defensive wards and blocks their view and with their view blocked and emily kind of blocking their connections the team is able to slip away from the battle and they head towards johannes's domain
1: i love this imagery uh like of how the chapter ends of them sort of running through this little tunnel of fire that closes on them but they've got fire immunity presumably from uh yep. s- elder sister yeah but it's just it's just this really cool visual moment um that you can totally picture yeah um, like it's a really great way to sort of finish the battle as we head into like i mean the actual fight yes. <laughs> this was the warm-up yes um yeah
0: right like this is the fight that they that was really just to stall them from getting to the
1: actual <laughs> fight this was them quickly trying to sneak away so that they could engage the real problem, <laughs> and I mean they did, and they only lost you know what Paige and Isadora, i guess i, I yeah did Paige stay with Isadora, I thought she yeah, did... uh, oh maybe maybe unclear, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure, Yeah. um, one well, they lost Jeremy, true otherwise yeah. um, but yeah, Jeremy is now basically powerless. Um I, I the other thing that happens in this little fire bit that I just wanted to touch on is um Rose sort of looks over at Mags and she's like oh Mags looks concerned it's probably because the fire's creeping up on us. And like well, yes you know there are plenty of reasons here to be con- to have a concerned yeah. look on your face. Um but I couldn't help but think like the reason we call out Mags specifically is you know her prophecy was I think for fire, darkness and blood. Yep. And um there were plenty of all three this chapter. Yep. Check um, check to all three. <laughs> so uh I mean, at least you know on on the silver lining side of things, this has got to count. They're like one down, one to go, right? Yay! Uh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's not
0: down yet. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> well, that's fair, you know. But when when they get out of it, then I mean, well, actually, Mags is kind of a sure thing to get out of it because she's got to do another one of these. Yeah,
0: true. So whatever <laughs> happens, Mags will be fine. Um, actually, I, I s- mean, well, f-
1: physically, I don't know about well, Minza. yeah, true. <laughs>
0: Um, I, I said that they headed towards Johannes's domain, which is true, but it's not how it's described in the book. In the book, Rose thinks that they're actually heading towards the Barber's domain, which of course is true, but. Yeah. A poor omen.
1: It's, it's a nice little ominous touch to be the final line of the, of the chapter, isn't it? It just sets this like, here we go tone. Like calling yeah. it Johannes's domain would have just been like, this is the next objective. Calling it the Barber's domain is like, oh fuck, here we go. The final boss time. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: and uh, yeah, that's the end of this first uh, part of the arc and of this, of this <laughs> chapter, and we'll see what happens when they head off to Barbaturum's Domain.
1: Yeah, uh, but for now, we're done with 16.5, and it's time to head into our bonus bit, uh, where we're diving into some comments, because there were a bunch of good comments in, in this chapter's uh, yeah. comment section.
0: Yeah, I think uh, everyone's uh, gears are really turning as we get towards the end. And so there's some really good comments coming up.
1: Um, do you want to talk yeah, about the yeah. comment
0: that you pulled out, Elliot?
1: Yeah, so I, I pulled out a comment by uh, Faquando23, um, who just sort of quickly mentioned they hope we get some conversations with the barber um, as we sort of move forward. Uh, and, and like a, a few people, including like Coda, uh, another user, point out that that might actually be possible now that the barber is inhabiting johanna's like obviously the barber didn't have the power of speech before um but it could clearly understand and stuff so maybe now it's possessing johanna's it'll have uh the ability to engage with them in conversation and that would be horrifyingly fun i think if if we do get to see that yeah true yeah i mean we had these beats that we hit about demons being
0: able to speak um earlier on in the arc or was that that was at the end of last arc actually in the interlude um and it'd yeah. be fun to see that pay off with barbatorum talking which is something we haven't seen demons uh, at his level do before so we'll see maybe they can make a deal
1: <laughs> yeah like I, I think it'd be so interesting to actually see what barbatorum's thoughts are like because the the lack of ability to talk gave him this this sort of mystique in how he operated but he could understand speech and he was clearly yep. intelligent. So yep. with a vessel that allows him to speak, like, I wonder what... What he's got what to what say. His, yeah, what's what's his personality like? Yeah, what's his be political awful. stance? That's what I want to
0: know.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I, I I I kind of agree. Uh, like, I, I think this would be very fun to see in action. Which of the cast of The Good Place is his favourite? That's what I want to ask him. <laughs> what's his perfect Sunday?
0: <laughs> um... So, yeah, I put out a comment too. um my comment the the user who left my comment unfortunately has deleted their account, so I'm going to call them Jeremy. um so Jeremy, well, because
1: they both lost everything this chapter?
0: Yes, yes, totally. Um so Jeremy basically talks about how, you know, Blake and Rose are each half r- rounding up half a person, um and they're both so bad at planning that even if you put them together, Ross, the Ross that forms from them is still terrible at planning. So it's just (laughs) interesting to think about the the skills that Blake and Rose both lack. Maybe Ross was just shit at, and thinking about some of the things in his life. Um, Jeremy, our user Jeremy, talks about things like um, how his plan was, well, I don't really like my family, so I'll just be homeless, or like... um, or or the fact that he fell for this cult you know and i think maybe that's a bit harsh from jeremy there but um i, I do think it's funny to think about how ross's planning skills were just so shit that when it was divided in <laughs> half there really wasn't much to go around
1: <laughs> uh yeah yeah i, I think that that's it's maybe a fair accusation um rose thinks on in this chapter actually earlier on she was sort of like oh i'm like okay at planning when there's all these steps and they don't get interrupted and it's sort of like, well, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. shit planning, especially in this world. Like, yeah. kind of expecting all your plans to go together. Like, she's never watched a heist movie, clearly. Yeah, um, I'm good
0: at planning if nothing ever goes wrong and everything yeah. goes my way.
1: Given infinite time and no, like, you know, no unforeseeable problems, I can plan real good. It's like, well, then you're just not a very good planner, Rose. Yeah, um, yeah. so, yeah, I, I I think maybe that's, that's a, a fair evaluation of Ross.
0: <laughs> yeah um but that's the end of our chapter for today um so thanks for joining us folks and hey if you want to check out that schedule again that we talked about featuring such fun segments as Pactionary, where we do packed themed drawings and have to guess what they are that's just one of the many fun segments <laughs> that you'll find in the schedule for all packed up which you can see in our episode description
1: Yes, uh, and we've been getting some help from our patrons uh, mm-hmm. coming up with the the, the food uh, and drink that we'll yes. be consuming uh, during the 24 hours, because it all has to be on theme, of course. Uh, and a good way to become one of those patrons and, and give us advice on awful things to eat is to head on to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia for just $1 a month. You get the ability to tell us directly um, what dumb things we should eat and drink for 24 hours. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, which is a a reward in and of itself, but if you need more (laughs) rewards, there are a bunch of rewards available, uh, for different levels of backing us on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash doofmedia and check those out. And Hey, while you're on patreon.com forward slash doofmedia, why not check out Wildbo's Patreon as well? Um, he has a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash wildbo. And if you give him money, he gives you words. It's a, it's a pretty good exchange. It's like a dictionary, but the words are in an order that makes it a mm. good story. So um, it's worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know if you've read all the whilebo things and you've listened to all the deep impact things, uh, you can head on over to doofmedia.com and find mm-hmm. a ton more stuff to look at. It's a huge week uh, sorry, a huge month for Doof media yeah, definitely uh, at the moment. We've just added We've We Want More, which we talked about. The uh Harry Potter and the methods of rationality uh read through. Yep. Um Doof the Right Thing, the voting's currently going on. So hey, there's another thing you get for the dollar uh at our patron is the ability to vote on like frankly, the absurd amount and quality of stories yes. that Doof the Right Things uh competition got. Yeah. Um They're great. and and also uh at the same time as this episode comes out, there should be a Doofcast releasing uh on Misfits. That was another patron. I'm excited for that one topic. It's weird yes. because
0: Misfits is a show that really is and I'm I'm sorry I'm stealing Scott and Matt's Thunder over here, but it feels like it's a show that really was a product of its time. And I'm interested to hear how, for people who've never seen it before, how does it stack up, you know, ten years on?
1: Yeah, especially because it did kind of precede the absolute saturation of superhero, yes. superpower stuff. And the kind of um,
0: darker, more realistic superhero stuff, of which it I mean, it's a comedy, but it also kind of fits that yeah. same
1: vein. Yeah, that's true, but it still feels very unique to me having seen what feels like infinity other superhero uh, projects since Misfits. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so keen to see what they thought.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you want to check all that stuff out, head on over to doofmedia.com. And, hey, you know, one other way you can engage with the show, if you want, is by contributing to our discussion thread. We have a, a discussion going on. You can leave your comments on this uh, in our discussion Sorry, let me start that sentence again. <laughs> we have a discussion question going on at the moment, and that question is, pick another and an element and explain what that element power might do to them if they were given the same treatment as Evan. So, you know, Evan was juiced up with some firepower. What would happen if you juiced up, let's say, the faceless woman with some metal power? I don't know. Put it in a comment. Um, you can leave those comments and answers in our discussion thread, and we'll talk about some of our favorites on next week's podcast.
1: Yes, and in fact that will be the episode 16.6, which was coming out on Monday the 10th of February.
0: Yes, so we will uh, see you
1: then. See ya.